following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Well, we return to our study in Philippians. Um, we're going to look at chapter 4, uh, verses 10 through 23. Um, that's page 982 in a few Bibles, if that's helpful to you. And uh, we're actually going to conclude our study in, in this letter to the Philippians this morning. Um, we've reached the end, and I'm, I'm sad about that. Philippians has just been wonderful. Um, and I think about uh, just, um, I don't remember when it was, we talk about whatever is uh, true and noble and lovely and uh, two weeks ago. Um, I had a chance to put that into practice um, in the last week, um, playing playing golf up in Jefferson and at uh, near where you were talking about, um, near Lancaster, and uh, the, the vistas, and to see Mount Washington here, and Mount Jefferson here, and Mount St. Helens over here, and I, I don't know what they all were, but it's just just amazing and even in the midst of that we had to practice a little bit more because we were playing golf so it's a test of your discipleship um, but and just uh, think about a clean garage what a wonderful and lovely thing so I think about that it's lovely um, just just terrific um, and I hope that the Lord has been do that for you not just for me just appreciating those small things um, which are Actually, really big things, but um, just um, just been wonderful. So I'm sad to finish Philippians, but I know the Lord has good for us here. Um, last week we talked about the secret of secret to finding contentment, um, and that is that God, our Father, who assigns our station in life. Uh, it's, it's Him that supplies everything that we need in order to accomplish the work that it gives us. Um, I, 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 he gives us the power to do and the resources to do the work that He has called us to. Um, but I don't know uh, if you have picked pick up on this, but when Paul writes, he often distracts himself uh, with a really good thought, but it wasn't what he started saying just a little bunny trail uh, and that's kind of what our text from last week was um, it was kind of an aside to his final point um, in the letter to the church at Philippi um, he interrupted himself and uh, I think as we read these last 13 verses together of this letter I think that you'll see that um, I'll try my best to help with inflection um, to point it out so we'll read that and then we'll pray together Philippians 4, started at verse 10. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am, I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and how to abound in the every and 
In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you send me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gifts, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To God, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for this letter that you have given to the church. We thank you, Lord, that uh, even though uh, Paul dictated the words, you are dictating to him. Uh, These are your words to your church. And we pray, Lord, that your spirit would uh, empower these words to make a change in our hearts, uh, that we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind as a result of spending time in your word this morning. And we do so with joy. For we love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's that time of year. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> Let's go have lunch. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> as I study this text for this week, I have to admit um, I felt a strong sense of conviction, and not in the way that I expected. Now, I knew uh, that this text was about uh, giving to the Lord's work, so I kind of expect to feel a, a little bit, uh, feel a sense of conviction that I should be doing more and maybe giving more. Um, and if that's how you want to feel, that's fine. But that's not what I experienced. I didn't feel, I didn't feel the conviction of a giver. I felt the conviction of a receiver. Paul said in verse 10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. And in verse 14, he says, It was kind of you to share my trouble. Now, as as much as I try to resist projecting myself into Paul's place, like these are my words to you, church, um, and using Paul's voice as my voice uh, and his words as my own. I try not to do that, but at the same time, I can't help but greatly rejoice in your concern for me and your sharing in my trouble. 
um, I think it was Tuesday of this week, marks uh, four years since I went full-time here at the church. I was here for a year working part-time. Um, that's an amazing thing. And over the last five years, beginning with the faithful few who are still here, when Crossroad Church was born, um, uh, and blossoming into this wonderful family, um, you all have faithfully and regularly and abundantly given uh, your support, financial support, we're talking about money, you have given that week after week and month after month and year after year, allowing me to stand here and talk to you every week and share with you every Sunday. Mm. And I just want to say thank you. <laughs> no, this is not a... No, stop it. <laughs> You all are evidence. You all are evidence that God will supply all of our needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. No. No. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's enough of that. Let's, we, let's move on. <coughs> Now, this passage that we'll look at here is not exhaustive when it comes to the principle of giving. Um, giving to the Lord's work or how to direct those gifts or how much of those gifts should be. Uh, but there are some things that we can learn about what happens when we do give that might affect why we do give and why we give what we give. Because honestly, why we give is way more important than what we give, according to Scripture. If we examine our own hearts and think about it, our motivation to give can be boiled down to just a few things and maybe a combination of a few. And I think uh, the story, uh, John, you have told of your experience down in Tennessee uh, that's, that has been ringing in my ears uh, for the last week, especially. It just seemed timely. Here we are. Talk about this. Um, and thinking about the motivation to give. We could give um, because we are compelled by guilt. Um, even though the Bible is clear, very clear, that we should not give under compulsion. Um, so now, instead of feeling guilty about not giving, we can feel guilty about feeling guilty. Right? Yeah, what a relief. Yeah, now we can go eat. So we can give because we are uh, feeling compelled by guilt. We can, give, we can sometimes give because we want to buy God's blessing. Right? Um, I'm sure nobody um, feels this way. Um, I'm sure nobody really puts it in these terms either. But when you think about it, um, oftentimes we fall into the trap of thinking that if we do for God, then he will do for us, right? There's a theological principle um, 
that is a theological principle, but it's not a Christian theological principle. It's called karma, right? And it's not real. All right? If I do good, good things will happen for me. That's not how it works. TV preachers encourage us to do this all the time, right? Trying to sell blessing or sell healing. It's real, and it happens. The blessing and the healing doesn't, but uh, people are after your money. Um, that is... I can't even say the words in polite company of what that is. It's despicable. It's horrible to do. Horrible. Just taking advantage of people, trying to be faithful. Terrible. Sometimes uh, we give because we're compelled by guilt or we want God's blessing. Sometimes we give because we want other people to see how generous we are. Make sure that money bag drops from a long ways into the plate, right? Jesus said in Matthew 6, 1 through 4, he says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received your reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, it's tempting to say, we're not even going to pass a plate anymore. If you want to give, put it in a box, or use the thingy, or give online, or whatever. But I know you better than that. You're not to put it in a plate so everybody else can watch you. We're going to keep passing the plate. It's fun. It's just practical. That's all. So maybe we give because we're compelled by guilt or we want to buy God's blessing or we want other people to think we're great. But maybe, just maybe, we give because we recognize that generosity towards the Lord's work is good. I like that one. Jesus said in Luke 12, 32 to 34, He says, fear not, little flock. I love that. Fear not, little flock. You town of little sheep, you. (laughs) For it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old. With a treasure in heaven that does not fail. Where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Giving to the Lord's work is an act of worship and a trust. According to our text this morning, there are four things that happen when when we do give. You know how much I love three-point sermons, so I'll give you four instead. I wish that you would sit a little bit further back so I can't hear all that. All right, let's look at some of these things. Oh, my goodness. Well, I, I was thinking that I'd take the balance of my time left over from last week. That was a short one, so I'll be here for four points. Lunch going to get cold. Paul says in verse 14, It was kind of you to share in my trouble. 
it was kind of you to share in my trouble. When we give, we join in fellowship in, with the needs of the receiver. We partner with them in their work. We come alongside them and help them do what God's called them to do. And that's everything, not just give at the church, but everything that you put your money towards, you're, you are joining in fellowship with whatever that is. All right? Um, that makes sense, right? So you're giving to the church not only keeps the light on and the heat's working. It started in November. Uh, so bundle up next week. All right? It, your giving to the church not only keeps the lights and heat on, but it allows me to do the work that uh, God has called me to do. And we're partners in that way. So again, thank you. In giving, we not only share in the needs and work of the receiver, but we also accrue profit in our own accounts. Uh, this, is, this is a good thing. Paul says in verses uh, 15 to 17, he says, And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even, even in Thessalonica, you send me help from my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Um, so you can see how Paul felt the church partner with him in his work. He says very specifically, enter into partnership with me in giving and receiving. But he also reminded them, and I would remind you, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Because I'll tell you a secret. You can give me a fantastic grace. It's not going to make me any better preacher. You're going to keep getting the same thing, okay? I challenge you. <laughs> We're going to have the best offering we've ever had. We're going to take the plates around again. <laughs> no, no. Paul had received gift after gift from the church. He was not asking for more. His needs were met, and he was content. That was his point. That's what we talked about last week. He was seeking the fruit that increases, uh, that increases to their credit. Their giving to the Lord's work, through their giving to the Lord's work, the Philippians were accruing profit in their own accounts. Right? Like Jesus said, he said, build, uh, you know, invest in money bags that don't rot, and moth don't eat, and thief don't steal. Jesus said in Matthew 10:42. Whoever gives one of the least of these, my brothers, even a cup of cold water because he is disciple, truly I said to you, say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. And here's how that will work out in Matthew 25, verses 34 through 40. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you, are, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. 
I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you? Or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did to me. Now, I'm not suggesting that we be motivated towards generosity so that we get something back from the Lord. All right? But the Bible clearly shows that the Lord keeps accurate records. And when we sow sparingly, we reap sparingly. And when we sow generously, we reap generously. Maybe not in this life, but in the one to come. There's too many people trying to sell blessing in this life. After all, a fancy tent is still just a tent. It's a temporary dwelling. It's no permanent. Isaac Barrow, the English mathematician and theologian, said, The contemplation of our future state is a medicine to work contentedness and to cure discontent. Considering heaven and its happiness, how low and mean, how unworthy of our care and affection will these inferior things appear? What is any loss, any disgrace, any cross in this world to me, who am a citizen of heaven, who bear a capacity and hope of the immense riches, the incorruptible glory, the perfect and endless joys of eternity? For this cause, says Paul, we faint not, while we look not to the things which are seen, but on the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. When we give, we share in the needs of those who receive our gifts. We bear fruit that increases to our credit in God's kingdom. Not only that, but our gifts are a fragrant offering, sacrifices that are acceptable and pleasing to God. Paul says in verse 18, I have received full credit and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Now here Paul harkens back to his Jewish roots. And he parallels the support that the church at Philippi had sent him with the Old Testament worship in the temple at Jerusalem. Fragrant offering. Acceptable sacrifice. These are our words used of temple worship. Now this is a summation of all that he'd already said about their gifts and their hearts to give. That sacrificial giving was an act of worship. The animal sacrifices that were given in, at the temple in Jerusalem were not the leftovers of the herd. Oh, there's a sick one. It's no good for us. Let's give it to God along with your broken TV and smelly couch. Right, let's give that to church. They could use it, I'm sure. Hmm. Those animals were not allowed to be sick or lame. They were to be the best of the herd, without fault or blemish. They couldn't even be cross-eyed. 
That's according to God's standard, according to God's design. And when we think about worship, worship is not just singing songs to play music. It's not just a service on Sunday. Worship is how we direct our affairs. It's how we live our lives every day, every moment. And when we give, we prove where the Lord fits into our thinking. I've already said it. Quote Jesus, Luke 12:34. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. John Calvin said, For what better thing can be desired than that our acts of kindness should be sacred offerings, which God receives from our hands and takes pleasures in their sweet odor? For the same reason, Christ says, Whatever ye have done unto the least of these, ye have done it unto me. It's an act of worship to our King. And finally, verse 19 And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. It's another fortune cookie verse. When we take it uh, out of its context, again, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, so I'm going to go stand in traffic and, and survive. No. The same thing here. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in Christ his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Just like he will uh, give us the power to fulfill the calling he's given to us, it is the same with giving. Same with giving and receiving. John Calvin again said, Do not think that you have impoverished yourselves. God, whom I serve, will abundantly furnish you with everything necessary for you. We don't out, we don't outgive God. We can't. All right. As it goes out, it will come in. It may not be the same. I'm not promise you give five dollars today. You're going to find five dollars in the parking lot on the way out. If you find five dollars in the parking lot, I lost five dollars. So if you could bring it back in. God keeps accurate records. And no matter how much we give up for his namesake, he will supply everything we need, both in this life and the life to come. In Mark 10:29 and 30, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. You've heard the old joke of the rich man who put in his will that he wants to be when he dies he buried, gets buried with all his gold bricks. Well, this is not theological or eschatologically accurate. But when he dies and stands at the gate, there's St. Peter, right? Only in jokes, not in the Bible. St. Peter stands there and he says, uh, okay, well, welcome. And the guy says, all right, I'll come, but I've got to bring all, this, uh, all my gold with me, these gold bricks. 
And St. Peter says, what do you need all the pavement for? What we... It's, it's just a tool. Money just a tool. Right? All we have, everything, whether it's our house or our car or our abilities to stand, it's just a tool to use to worship God, to serve our Lord Jesus Christ. Just a tool. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. Our Father is a giver. He gave us Jesus. Jesus is a giver. He gave up his life on a cross. The Holy Spirit is a giver. He gives gifts to those who belong to Jesus by faith. This is the model we have. Not to order, but to giver. God was a giver before humanity existed, before the earth even came into be. Because that's just the way he is. He made this planet. He made the universe, the stars, and the, and the sky because he is a giver. He couldn't help but do it. And we are his children by faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. This is the pattern that we have to follow. So let's follow it to the glory of God. Amen. Let's pray. God, what a wonderful design that you have for your people. I pray, Lord, that uh, we would follow your example, follow your word, and give cheerfully of ourselves time or money or energy or effort, whatever it is, Lord. We want to live to bring you glory. And Lord, if there's anyone here who has not received the gift that you gave, the gift of your Son through faith, I pray that even in this moment they would ask for your forgiveness and surrender their lives to you that's simple that you'd wash away their sin adopt them as your child that they would see that God has given so much what are our lives in return Lord we love you and we thank you in Jesus name Amen if you'd like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support Checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.